Hello and welcome to season four of the Corgi Town USA podcast. We are a podcast for pets and their people. We are pet, dog, and corgi centric. In my lap is Chuckles, our spokes corg, and with me always. Hi, I'm Catherine, and at my side is Digby, the doof, my little boy. <laughs> Next to Digby is Booger, uh, somewhere around. Warding here. off his advances. Warding off his advances, <laughs> although she was just uh, sniffing him. Oh, before. Yeah, okay. He's been working on her. He's I been guess. working it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, somewhere in here is Mortimer. Mortimer Barnabas is under my feet. I feel him. Ah, and and of course Hammer is has nothing he's snoozing. to do with us. He's yeah, snoozing. He's snoozing. Yes. Well, if you are new here, hi, welcome. Thank welcome. you for joining us. We are here to help you enhance your life with your corgi your dog, what that looks like to uh, live with puppies and the best we can do to make their lives the best and our lives with them the best tips and tricks. And we bring on parents. We also have a fun creator series in which we interview creators that make Corgi adjacent type creations. Yes, indeed. And so we just have a lot of fun doing this. And by you liking and subscribing and joining us, we can keep going. We also welcome feedback. We have a, we have a website, uh, corgitownusa.com. Feel free to go in there and fill out an intake form if there's a subject you would like to hear about. We are open to your suggestions. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And, and, you know, I mean, everything Corgi, we always say the the, the creator series and, mm -hmm. and we talk about traveling. This season we're doing legal stuff and we're getting um, deep. We're to get we're to get really deep. deep. Yeah. Uh you know we're spiritual. All, we're gonna get into some spiritual, spiritual stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So all kinds of things. And this one's heavy. This one is very heavy. So we I have uh our hammer here at the Corgi Committee has degenerative myelopathy. Um, for those who don't know, that is canine ALS. And he is literally degenerating from his back legs up. He has lo lost most of his ability to walk. He uses a cart or a harness. And DM is just one of the many unfortunate conditions uh, that can shorten our dog's life and our dog's um, quality of life. So what we wanted to talk about today was when is it time? Yeah. We, we have this beautiful ability to let our pets go humanely and peacefully we get that control we don't have that with our people no we, but well but we do we do legally cat goodness no no you. i'm talking legally i'm in like one me, or two states right no no uh um hospice hospice right but is, you don't you, no, don't you don't let them you go let you them are go. waiting you are, for them to go that's you're different waiting for them to go and 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 easing their pain as they go Right. So what, what we wanted to talk about, because it's always hard to make that decision if you have an aging pet or you do have a pet that has a condition, um, what does that look like? Of course, you as the Paul Rudd are the only one who can really make that decision. Yes. But we wanted to get uh, our beloved Dr. John Waterhouse back. He's uh, actually dealing with, unfortunately, uh, dealing with the situation right now, but we want to bring him back for some of his perfects. Absolutely. So let's bring him on. Let's bring him on. Hello, ladies. Dr. Hi, Dr. John. John, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank yes. you. Yeah, we're excited to be uh, in the season four now. And as Kat mentioned, we're getting deep. We're getting we're into getting... some heavy stuff. Yes. And this will be very deep as well. Yeah. There'll probably be some tears today. <laughs> For sure. So I want to kind of get started with um, ask you as in your medical professional opinion and also as being a parent yourself, Dr. John. Um, do you think the determination when we're, when we're talking about, um, I hate to use the E word euthanasia, but saying goodbye, um, in a controlled way, 
Um, what does the determination change if you're considering something a chronic or degenerative condition, old age, you know, depending upon what you're dealing with, do you think that kind of changes the approach? I think it does. And really, we've got to think of when we're talking about end of life or euthanasia, the big E word, I break things down into a, oh, here we go. I've just got <laughs> a friend just came in, flew oh, in from beautiful. outside. So let's, let's, let's throw him up there. But when we talk about um, euthanasia, I break it down into acute and long-term or chronic. So acute may be something that happens, a trauma hit by car, um, something that happens medically suddenly that we have to make a decision about quality of life. Yep. Then I talk about um, euthanasia as, do you want to come up? No? Euthanasia then as quality of life, old age, degenerative myopathy, um, more chronic diseases that take Place that we know now over a longer period of time that we have options to make things that can change and things that we can do. So when I'm talking about end of life conversations with my clients, I break it down into the two, the ones that um, there's pain, there's life-threatening circumstances, there's trauma, those type of things that really we have the hard conversation now. And then things like degenerative myelopathy, where we know that we have a year and a half to six month window where we're going to have this conversation yeah. and setting up. Um, I have my personal pet, you said in the introduction, has something called hemangiosarcoma. Mm -hmm. And that's a bleeding disease for a German shepherd. And we removed his spleen uh, six weeks ago and we saw that he had metastasis. So mm -hmm. every day now um, is a blessing um, and we know that now we see that he's now bleeding internally again but it's a non-painful cancer thank thank goodness and yeah. so we know we only have today tomorrow a few days left with him and that changes and we'll talk about that what we do and how we love our pets but they're the two um, camps that I put this conversation into one that we need to make a decision now it's an emergency and one where we can have that conversation over weeks months hopefully years and slowly build in how we're going to give and I believe the big e word is the nicest thing we can do for our beloved pets yeah we I, as humans don't have the ability we I, I know but we can do that so they're no longer in pain Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've done, I've done it both ways. I had my, uh, actually my first Corgi, I'd say goodbye. It was old age. He got to where he just, he wasn't happy being a dog anymore. That's the, that's the big thing. Um, but I had a little girl named Zelda who had chronic kidney disease and really had no presentations until the end was healthy, had healthy blood work. It just yes. took her down really quick. And uh, she spent, I think one day in the hospital and she just kept going downhill and it was like, we can't, at a certain point, it was for me and not yeah. for her. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that you're going through this with your German Shepherd. Thank you. Um, it's, they're not with us long enough. No, and never. On never. the same day, and this is what we'll talk about, the same day that we took our German Shepherd to surgery, I we had a 20-year-old cat as well, and we said goodbye to her. And that was a medical emergency compared to a chronic condition. 
So I, in the last six weeks, have experienced both scenarios. Goodness gracious. Compounded. Yeah, I'm so so, sorry. So this is quite at the conversation we're having today because personally I'm going through both, I've been through both scenarios in the last six weeks, but also it's giving a roadmap, um, planning. And if you plan, the level of anxiety goes down. And especially with degenerative myelopathy, that your anxiety level is up here to start with. And that's what we're all about is building a road plan that you follow so that your anxiety levels come down and you know what is going on. Take some control back, a little bit of control back that way. (laughs) Because this is the disease that you have no control over and you feel very helpless. And actually, I do what I do because my wife had a Belgian Balanoir called Tova. And 25 years ago, she had degenerative myelopathy. And we we're both veterinarians and we didn't know what to do. There was very little known that this disease has only been known for 35 years. And so I do what I do today. So my clients and especially my patients never have to go through what we went through with Tova. Yeah. Oh, well, we appreciate the work you're doing. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, again, we're oh, so sorry. Um, but we know that being fellow parents, it doesn't matter if you've studied animal health or not. It doesn't make it any less painful It doesn't. when and you have to say goodbye to your friends. <laughs> and, and I think one of the topics that I, that I, I like that you're talking about preparing and making decisions and having a roadmap too often I see with people and you'll see your friends on Facebook and you can't say anything. It's just now you're keeping them around for you and you're doing them harm. Well, that's why we're having this conversation. And and yeah. And I'm glad we're having this conversation as hard as it's going to be listeners to, to, to listen. It's a conversation that something that we all need to have. Well, and there is, and that we don't want to put that on any parents because I think we question ourselves as well. And I feel like as, as a parent, ultimately you make that decision. And so this is, this is sort of a roadmap to a perspective on how to help kind of guide us through it. So what I want to continue with, Dr. John, is what what would you tell parents questioning themselves? Because we all do. Yes. And that is 2020 is the thing that keeps you up at night. <laughs> it um, is. There is never a right or a wrong answer. Right. And yeah. as long as your uh, pet is comfortable, safe, eating, drinking, Um, and not in pain, then they're my benchmarks, um, and we'll talk about benchmarks, but really people should not tell you when the time. As a professional, it is not my job and to tell my clients when is time, unless it's a medical emergency in the first category. In the second category, I give it's all about information. It's about training. It's about giving a roadmap to follow. So you can be watching as you go along the journey and say, now may be the time or now may be the time when certain things are happening and certain things are changing. I know with my person, my wife's dog, uh, Tova, we took her right to the end. I break it down to five stages, DM, and we took her to stage five because we're both veterinarians, Tova, came to the clinic every day. She sat behind the reception desk. 
we had veterinary staff that were expressing her bladder, looking after it. She said hello to clients. She had a great quality of life up to the end. And But other people have different benchmarks. It's how you can manage your pet. And so when we talk about the top five things, um, it's building in that roadblock. But I say to my clients, because then people say, I left it too long. And that is the most common thing that I hear. Mm-hmm. And your pet baby will tell you when it's time. Tova looked at us one morning and you could tell she said, it's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, German Shepherd, you know I mean, where at that point where he's starting to, starting to look and say, it's now time. Um, they will look at you and tell you. Or something will happen and then you may have to make that decision. But I know I'm talking around and round in circles, but there isn't ever the right time or the wrong time, if that makes sense. It's what we do in here after the moment that keeps us up at night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you sharing that perspective because you say, as a medical professional, I can't tell you yes or unless it is acute, as you mentioned, because we always want to ask. We always want to get the vet's opinion. opinion. Okay. Right. And But as parents, that's our responsibility. <laughs> so it's my responsibility to, and I know other vets have different um, ethics or, or, and thoughts yeah. on this, but yeah. it's my my responsibility to give you information, give you guidance, and give you a road, especially with, well, let's just talk about DM. Mm-hmm. Talking about DM is um, giving you a plan. So I talk about the five to ten um, things to write down. So write down five to ten things that they love for. There we go. <laughs> love to do. You've got corgis running around. I've got birds flying around. Um, <laughs> I love it. Five to ten things that they love to do. And it's all about reevaluation. And so every week, every two weeks, every month, you pull that list out and you tick off, yes, they're still going to the park. They're still happy. They're all the things they'd love to do because there will be a point where they you start not ticking those boxes. They can no longer go for their afternoon walk around the block. They can no longer go to the park. They can, And it's quality of life questions. On the same thing, I have another list of Quality of life questions for you, the pet parent. Can you still, can you lift them? Can you clean them? Can you look after them? Because as they go through the five steps of degeneration or DM, they become incontinence. They need to be lifted. They need to be clean. They need, it becomes increasingly harder and harder to look after them and manage them. And that's where a lot of pet parents call the line when they move to incontinence, let's say, or when they move that they have to be lifted and carried up and downstairs or lifted to do things because some people physically aren't able to do that. And so all these factors come and play into when is that time that we say, okay, we've reached that line in the sand and we as a, it's all team dog, veterinary professional, rehab professional, you as the pet parent all agree now is the best time because really with DM, there is really no set line in the sand like with other diseases. And that's the thing that keeps us up at night afterwards is did we take it too long? And my wife and I, we're vet professionals and we go, did we take it too long with Tova? Um, because were we selfish, but we loved her so much, we kept it, but she had a great quality of life. But 
clients would come in and see the emaciation in the back legs or people would see you on the road with her in the cart and and carts were brand new in those days. And mm-hmm. some people were like, oh, my God, what is this? And other people were like, you're so cruel. Um, how could you keep your dog alive while it's, they don't understand? Mm-hmm. And that's also the other thing with this question is having a support group, having people around you that understand. This platform that you girls are doing is fantastic because you're building a community and support because there was nothing out there. And when people stop you in the street and scream at you how irresponsible you are and how evil you are, it hurts you on a, in, inside your soul. Yeah. And you start questioning where maybe you weren't questioning before, like you needed more of that. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I, having, having a DM dog myself, I've noticed people that aren't in the circle like you are. And some of us pet parents or have dealt with things like degenerative conditions and uh, your patients that visit you. If, if you're not privy to it and you just look as an outliner, you understood you royally, but you're looking as an outsider going, Oh, I would just put my dog down if they if they couldn't walk anymore. Wait a minute. There's a lot you don't understand. Yeah. And it's so incredibly hurtful for one to say that Very to much. a parent. Very much. Most people don't say that out of malice. They say that out of their own understanding and their own lens. And that's that they don't understand that dogs don't and I'm sure cats too don't have the dignity issues as humans. Right. You know, humans, we, if we're in a diaper, we went, oh, I'll just pull my plug, you know, but it's different right. with, with our pets, our pets, as you mentioned, if we're giving them, if we're able to give them a good life. And I love that you brought up about asking how the, the parent is faring with care as well, because to me, that one's a little bit of a sticking point because I think the, really the, where you draw the line is it's not about inconvenience. No. It's about ability to to help them because Hammer, we're only in, I think, like the first and a half stages, but he's needing more and more care. He needs to be cleaned. He needs to be carried. He needs to be moved. He needs to be physically put in his car and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, of course, more than happy to do whatever he needs. Yes. But to your point, that's not so much about inconvenience. If I were in a wheelchair myself or somehow injured to the point of no return where I wasn't, wasn't able to, then it does become, again, it is about the pet if you're not able to, right? Would you say that's a good explanation? And I'm going to say something um, controversial here now. Okay. Okay. Drum roll. Corgis <laughs> are taken out of the general population because Degenerative myelopathy mainly affects giant and large breed dogs. So your ability to handle, look after, carry, support, corgis have a longer life expectancy with DM than other dogs just because yes. of the physical handling of, I like, I at the moment, he's 95-pound German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he had DM, but I'm lifting him up and carrying him up and down the stairs. So it is a lot more labor intensive. Yes. Ex- it becomes exceedingly more difficult. Where corgis and all the studies, actually, corgis have been taken out of the studies of longevity through rehabilitation, the laser studies that uh, Dr. Deb Taraka did, because they would skew the lifespan of the trials 
outside the range of statistics just because they live longer because we can manage them so much easier. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of groundbreaking, really, kind of news to, to consider that. So we look at all the studies about doing rehabilitation and physical therapy. You can buy, I think it was around 200 days of additional life. The corgis were taken out of that study because they live longer because we can manage them greater. And on the flip side, uh, dear listener, to your audience, if you can't do it as as uh candy said if she were in a wheelchair if she were reach out to us for resources yeah reach out to us for resources and don't don't let anybody make you feel guilty if you're sitting here going oh great so my corgi gets to live longer because i should be able to pick them up and i can't or whatever please reach out to us we have resources there are and and that's not our main point here right and and just don't feel yeah well, you were talking about benchmarks, Dr. Down. Um, are there, this is such a loaded question to ask if there are some key factors in making the decision. I mean, you've kind of gone over that with us a little bit. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say the key factors really are, um, there are two, two parties to this, our beloved pet and also the pet parent what you physically can do, what you can't do, what you're willing to do. Some people aren't willing to deal with incontinence, um, with accidents in the house, and that may be the line in the sand they draw. And that is not wrong. Um, There are different things that people can put up with. Um, And also different times where people will say, no, that's enough, my pet can't move around, but also for themselves. I physically can't do that. And that's where a lot of people um, having a group around them because they feel guilty that they're not able to help their pet progress that next stage because they're physically not able to do things or their pet falls down the stairs or develops a urinary tract infection or um, bed sores or all these other things that cause it to go from a chronic condition to an acute condition now that the decision is made for them. Um, all these things, there is, this is, it is the hardest disease that I dread giving the diagnosis in the consultation room. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's the hardest disease for my clients to deal with it because there's so many different variables about what ifs, what to do here, what to do there. Um, It is, there is no set plan for this disease. I wish there was. Um, We created, actually, we've just launched the degenerative myelopathy info.com website. Okay, it's Um, live now, live and going. Live and going. Perfect. And um, up, and then we actually have through the Canine Rehab on Demand program actually a program to help roadmap and give you information about this disease in a 12-week rehab program that you do at home and education because there is no roadmap to this. And this is the thing that I say, I keep saying it keeps you up at night. The what yeah. ifs. Um, this disease is full of minefields of what if. Um, and so that point of where you draw the line in the sand is individual. It's with your pet. And it's also with environmental circumstances that can change. So I say every two weeks, pull that list out with the five to ten um, lists of quality of life questions and just reevaluate. Um, and then reevaluate your quality of life questions, even if it's just done once a month. That at least gives you something to track 
how they're progressing. Yeah. And you see it, you, you kind of see it physically. It's, it's like making a list of checks and balances. Right. Gives you an added perspective. You on see that. it physically. Yeah. Knowing firsthand, you see them change physically as they go through the five different stages. Most people will elect to euthanize in stage three to stage four when they're becoming incontinent, when they're now longer able to move, when they're in a cart, because they're now developing sores, they're developing things that are medically harder for them to manage, and that's usually where things happen. Um, mm -hmm. And then they move into the acute phase where we as veterinary professionals say, okay, something happened to you, let's, let's talk about this. Um, that's usually where we see between stage three and stage four and then stage four to five. Very few people go into stage five because that's when it's starting to ascend to the front limbs and and they're having problems walking and things like that. And you need to have express their bladder and do other things that more if you're of a medical nature that we could do. So we were selfish because we had the tools, the resources and the expertise to be able to keep Toba going longer in a safe, happy environment. Mm -hmm. That's key. Yeah. Safe, happy environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and we talk a lot about DM because it's a very big concern. Um, it kind of across a few different conditions. Yeah. So with DM, I know there are things like when you said they're down in the front, they can't get water anymore. So they can't be left alone for very long at a time because they need assistance with everything. So that's kind of fits along one of those key factors with you. But one of the experiences I had, well, I don't want to say it's experience, I guess it was more hearsay, but one of the instances I learned of that kind of spurred this conversation when I wanted to talk about this is someone in the community that had a DM Corgi. Right. Once it goes up so far, it starts shutting down their circulatory system and they can suffocate. And that's what to me, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to get to that state. But they don't but, get to that state overnight. And that's right. the good thing. It's It shuts down the diaphragm. So it's actually degeneration of the nerves and the spinal cord. And I heard a great example of this. It's the SOD1 genes all about picking up free radicals. And it is your scavenger gene. And the mutated gene doesn't do that. So the spinal cord gets attacked, attacked. And it's like the electric in the wire, you lose the wires and then after a while they can no longer walk because you've lost the ability for that signal to go down the wire or the um, think of a drain, the drain starts to clog up. You don't get the flow of that information down. Right. And it usually happens between the thoracic third vertebra is where actually the spinal cord is very big in that area. And as they're flopping around, the spinal cord then gets damaged as well. So it's a double whammy. You're causing trauma to the spinal cord and the spinal cord suffering degeneration because of the free radicals that are attacking the nerves and the axons. But that, that error also innovates the diaphragm. And so as the disease progressed, we first see the most common clinical signs in the hind limbs because that's the longest nerve. And they're the nerves that are more periphery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in you, and then the nerves on the inside are more, if you think the, the body's been designed to protect itself. So you lose function on things that aren't important. You know, if you're cold or the blood goes from your extremities into keeping your heart and your vital organs going. The same thing with the nervous system. So we lose, we see the, in the real legs first, then they lose the ability and it ascends up until it affects the diaphragm and really they asphyxiate from this disease. 
Um, but <sighs> it never, but it never gets. It doesn't happen overnight. This is happening over weeks to months. Um, you slowly see them starting to lose for them, starting to breathe heavier. Um, they lose the ability to regulate their body temperature. Right. That's why they need water. That's why they need to be kept in in a stable environment. All these things, and that's where it comes into, I mentioned, environmental factors mm -hmm. um, as well as physical factors and their quality of life. So we with Tova took her to a vet clinic. We watched her every day. We gave her water. We gave her food. We knew all the things to do to manage her during that time but we never let it get to that point when it was getting close to she's starting to be affected in the forelimbs in mid stage five we said enough's enough mm -hmm, and right. that was the line in the sand that we had right sure and so we had a whole plan then a day of celebration for tova and we went to a beautiful park in sydney overlooking the ocean all her friends mm -hmm. came for a barbecue we had all said goodbye to her. We had uh, my wife's boss at the time came um, and she had a barbecue chicken and as Tova's eating the barbecue chicken, we said goodbye to Tova. And so also with this, when we're talking about euthanasia with this disease, you have the opportunity to love them. You know you only have a set amount of time. My German shepherd at the moment, we knew we had four, about four weeks to eight weeks, and that's how this tumour spreads and starts to bleed again. Mm. So for the last six weeks, we've gone into the mountains. We've gone to all the places he loves. We've done everything for these six weeks of being for Kikoa, all about Kikoa's quality of life and Everything we're doing is to give him the best send-off that we can so he has the best quality. And that's also, you might see this as a diagnosis of tragedy. Look at it as a diagnosis of you have a window of a year and a half to six months to love, to do. Let them eat what they like and all these things, but do things for their quality of life. Actually, we should be doing it for their entire life, but you now have a window to spoil them rotten. Yeah. And so love them and give them the best quality of life for the longest time that you have them. You're right. That And that is something to not be yeah. discounted. We should have brought the Kleenex back into the studio the Kleenex, today. Yep. I have you, my booger who is, she's also a rescue and she has so many chronic problems that we can't quite pinpoint what's going on. It's autoimmunity. Her paws swell up. So she, when we go on walks, she goes in the stroller because she just really can't walk very far in a pause. So we just, that way she gets her fresh air and she gets to be out with her brofers. Yep. But she had a growth removed on her tongue and the results were inconclusive and we only had one sample. So uh, my vet advised me, said, if this is indeed oral cancer, you have three to six months. We can't confirm or deny if it is. So Booger is on, I don't know how long I have her, but now her eye has stopped producing tears. So now we are on eye management. We're on paw management. You know, she's one that this same conversation stays top of mind. Of course, with Hammer, the benchmarks you talk about, he has DM. I have a little bit of a guideline on what to expect and what to pay attention to. Yes. With Booger, it's not as concise. It, we, she has a host of issues and some days she looks miserable and I think, oh my gosh, do I need to be doing something? But then she also has a lot of days I'm like, it's definitely not time. She's still happy being a dog. So, you know, there are other chronic conditions as well. And I feel like 
kind of going back to that first que first question about if it's a little bit different acute versus chronic and what does the chronic look like and do you have those benchmarks right all to be considered and all chronic diseases osteoarthritis yeah. or degenerative joint disease invertible mm -hmm. disc disease any of the chronic diseases i tell my clients create the five to ten list check mark of what they and come back to it every six months Come back to it every year, but on the first of the year, we sit down and we just reevaluate quality of life. Um, yeah. I had a um, a pet parent with a um, gun dog pointer Labrador retriever, and they wanted him to go once out into competition and point and have a great time. And I said, "Okay, you need to then." give me a few weeks and we put him on all these supplements and we got him out there and he had a great time. And they had videos with a smile on his face while he's pointing at the lures and all of that stuff. And, and then that week that was time, but they said like, we're all sobbing in the, in the room, but he did the thing that he loved the most and he couldn't do it again. And that was the highest thing on their priority was to allow him, yeah, we're all tearing up, um, yeah. allow him to do the thing that he loved. And they knew his quality of life. He couldn't do it. Um, so it's these benchmarks. It's not just for degenerative myelopathy. It's for all our dogs at different levels of what they love to do. We should just have those lists. But also for ourselves, what we physically can do. And I tell to my clients who are elderly, you physically can't do it. Um, you, you know, I mean, if this is at certain conditions and that, and that may be where you have the conversation and you say now time's time. Yep. But it's, but that also is the greatest gift that we can give our pets. Absolutely. Is the time that they don't have to suffer on. We've just lost a human friend of ours who had horrible pancreatic cancer. And we as humans have to, survive to the end there's no there's no options for us right and we can give that joy or not joy but that peace of mind to our pets right. that they don't have to suffer like we have to suffer and we don't have to watch them no suffer yeah. yeah i mean is there do you think there's any way to really prepare i mean <laughs> sometimes you know it's coming right so like you with no it's coming to get in support groups, like what you you are doing with Corgi Town and giving information, support, and that because really the trauma of a loss of a pet is the same as the loss of a child. And yeah. I know that this people are going, oh, no, it doesn't affect. To me, it does. I don't have children and the loss of my pet, the pain to me, we're still grieving 25 years later for Toby. You see a little photo above me. Um, that's me and my um, Nalu, and she was my best friend, and that's been eight years, and I miss her every day. Of course. Um, it is the same. There are support groups. Having support groups to help you navigate that roadmap, having people who understand what you're going at, when people scream at you at the park, how all yes. people on the side, people are cruel because they don't understand and they give their advice from ignorance, not education. Absolutely. And so having people say, yes, you're doing the right thing, um, that is very important. Having a roadmap or a plan or some type of education is the best answer to anxiety and confusion. 
and having education, understanding the disease, understanding the different steps of the disease. So you can track as you're going, you feel you have some control. Mm -hmm. Having no control, just the, the hurt, the frustration, the anxiety, the fear, all these things just bubble up. And then you look at your beloved pet companion who's going through it and you can see in their eyes, they can comprehend something's going on, the embarrassment in the morning that you can see when they've defecated through the night, but they don't understand why. Mm -hmm. um, all yep. those things just compound, and that's actually why we do what we do. So I, my clients never have to know. We went through all those because there was no support. There was no understanding of the disease. Mm -hmm. We brought the cart from America and had it shipped, so we built it. We were pioneering what it was. All our friends are the specialists. We were, there was no knowledge Things have jumped leaps and bounds in the last two decades. Yes. And the support out there. And I never want my friends, my clients, my colleagues, my patients to know what we went through with Tova. Well, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. We just had a, a, a guest on where we were talking about change happens through suffering. And unfortunately, what you went through with Tova, all that, that happened... It, I'm sorry that you had to suffer. You've learned you're bringing your knowledge to us yes. and bringing knowledge to others and helping. And it that's kind of that uh, unfortunate but delicate balance in life is out of suffering comes education that helps alleviate some future suffering. And, and, that, I, and that's, that's it. And that's my, my whole goal is to be of service. Everything yes. I do is for uh clients my profession but most importantly for our patients and to leave the world a better place than it was before we got here and so i've dedicated the last 12 years of study research and training here in the united states to be able to put out like we just launched the degenerative myopathy info.com because i got sick and tired of seeing social media all this misinformation on google and i said i'm going to build the website with the latest information resources training and information so people can come and understand what it is and at least get a roadmap and a plan of how to deal with their beloved pet companion during this horrible time and themselves because we have to look after ourselves first and that's oh, yeah. the hardest thing we have to tell our clients is you got to look after yourself and if it means that you have to do end of life or euthanasia because you have to look after yourself first that's okay too that's okay yeah no we appreciate you saying that and we love what you do and thank you so much for coming on and educating us and giving us your perspective and i will drop in the comments um in the description box of the both the youtube episode as well as our audio episodes on if you want to learn more about what dr john does and about his programs as we're talking dr john do you want to go ahead and tell our audience about your websites um the webs just spell it out for those listening in case they don't have a pen or don't have access to a computer while they're listening and want to know more so for the last eight years, I've been training veterinarians about rehabilitation and sports medicine through the Canine Rehab Teaching Academy that's really under our Veterinary Teaching Academy uh, brand. With COVID, we launched Canine Rehab On Demand. You see the poster behind me because our veterinarians around the world lost the ability to do veterinary medicine with their clients, especially in countries, the anesthetic machines and respirators were taken out so they could go into human hospitals. And my, my students who are veterinarians asked me, could we give the teaching information to 
and they could supply that to their clients to do rehabilitation with their pets at home. So we launched Canine Rehab on Demand, and with that is the education part, but also then a home 12-week rehabilitation part. You ladies are too young to remember the Jane Fonda workout video series. You're I'm probably old. more P90X girls. Um, so following that same formula, I recorded videos, exercises, sheets you can check off both and then looked at pharmaceuticals and nutraceuticals, nutrition, and everything to do with the top 12 most common orthopedic and disease conditions. And then we launched that onto the Canine Rehab On Demand platform. So that's it in a nutshell. And then we launched the info sites. Um, so degenerative myelopathy info.com as an educational resource to try and give links, resources, and tools to so veterinarians can send clients to, but also clients can find and get good quality information from a reputable site. Excellent. Yes, thank you so much thank for that. You. And we aren't going to keep you all night. We are going to let you get back to your very important work. But again, we can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing yes. and being a repeat guest. We definitely cherish you and your work and what you and your wife are doing. And our hearts go out to you for the loss of your beloved kitty and what you're going through with your, your puppy right now. And having a game plan allows you to um, do it nicely. And we knew yeah. what we're going through with Keikoa. And we know as every morning we reevaluate, we have been able to do medical management of him um, to get him to this point. And so, but that's once again, we have the veterinary expertise to be able to help him through this bleeding disorder. Um, but we set lines in the sand as well for our own pet. And so when he comes to that line and we think that's coming the next day or so, we know that we have made the correct decision. And, and that takes the anxiety level down because also our pets know that when we're anxious, they're anxious and they don't understand why. Of course. And that also compounds the in the consultation room at end of life, all those things. Um, also, I'd like to say um, see if you have home visit options in your city yes having people come to your house doing it or in an environment they love to be in um, the vet clinic is great but it's also very sterile and everyone's on edge but looking to see if your veterinarian will come to your home come to an area come to somewhere where you remember the best time and you can go there and grieve and mm -hmm. so that's also very important the grieving process is um, if you have those options available, they are a great option because it's hard to go back to your vet clinic and grieve in room consultation room number four. Yeah. Um, you yeah. have a place in the woods, their special tree, their special park, that special, your, your house, you know, you're doing it in a loving environment where your pet feels happy and not anxious, but also in yourself, you feel like you're giving love. And that's another tip that I give as well, because in this day and age, we now have mobile vets, mobile services that will do that. They do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That thank is you. really helpful. And we hope that you have a great evening. We'll let you go and let you get back to your important work. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you want to say goodbye? Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
beautiful. <laughs> it's really pretty. Really pretty. <laughs> There's a little birdie on screen for those listening. Dr. John has a, a co-host yes, on his shoulder. And, and just an amazing shade of green. Yes. I Beautiful. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Have thank a great you. night. Have a good night. Yes. Bye. Bye. Well, we hope that you found this episode enlightening, um, that you enjoyed the information. Dr. John's always so helpful. Um, and definitely check out Canine Rehab on a Band and the DegenerativeMyelopathyInfo.com. Those websites, I will drop those down in the description box. And if you are dealing with this, you have more questions, you want to have the conversation, feel free to reach out to us, CorgitownUSA.com. We do have an intake form. Uh, we will try to get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, we, we will be glad to help you have the conversation. We'll be glad to lend support, resources, however else we can help you because we are parents as well. Yes, we indeed. go through this. We all face this, unfortunately. We um, we're masochists. We do it over and over again. Over and over again. <laughs> but thank you so much. We're here for you every Thursday. All things Corgi and Pet Lifestyle. Candy, Cat, Chuckles, Mortimer, Booger, Hammer, and Digby. We'll see you next week. Bye.